Hello, this is the fourth Red Brick Football Podcast of the year. Uh, this week I'm joined by Harry. Hello. Alex. Hello. Sam. Hello. Nicola. Hi. And Nathan. Hi. It's a big show today. Um, I'm going to start off with another quiz question, which is going to become a regular thing. This week's question is, who is the only player to have scored a hat-trick in the Premier League, all three of the other English leagues, the FA Cup? And an international game. Is it Ugo Egiog? No. Again, I think I know the answer. Yeah. Is it Robert Earnshaw? It is indeed. Oh, wow. Good shout. A lot yeah. quicker than last week. Right. <laughs> I like that. Let's move swiftly on to Chelsea 4, Man United 0. Um, Nathan, you're a Man United fan. Do you want to give us your thoughts on this game? Do we have to talk about it? Yes. Um, well... I mean, last week I spoke about the confidence that I had because, and I quote myself here, I think, um, I saw that we were defensively competent. Well, that didn't last long. Um, it was really quite a sad performance yesterday. Uh, I mean, it get up, gets off to the worst start. What, I mean, after 30 seconds, your whole game plan's out the window because I assume we probably went for the same, the similar type of performance they went for against Liverpool and that was, that was just thrown away straight away. I mean... I don't know if everyone else was saying, but I felt like it was watching five side yesterday. In terms of the tackles made, it was kind of like the lazy sort of challenges when you know they're going to score, you're going to score, even though we weren't really threatening. But it was like someone just sticking a lazy leg out. That's the sort of thing I would do whilst I was defending. It was just, I don't know, it was really sad. I mean, the last goal was was really just criminal. It just waltzed through, walked right past Pogba and Herrera as if they weren't there. And then Smalling, you know, here you go, have a free shot on goal. It was, it was really embarrassing and... It's just one of those days that we want to put behind us straight away and forget about it and move on, really. All right, you mentioned uh, that it all fell apart very quickly. Pedro scored within 30 seconds, I think it was. Um, and then Gary Cahill scored from a corner. Nicola, tell us something special about Gary Cahill's goal. Um, on Saturday, all the scorers in the Premier League were not English. And so the two games on Sunday... Uh, two of the goals scored were by English players. The first one was Nathan Redmond and the second one was Gary Cahill. So they rescued the Premier League from foreign invasion. I think it was the first time in about 100 years I read today that it happened in their English goals. Yeah. You mentioned the goal, the fourth goal, which was criminal. Kante scored. It's only his second ever goal and his first for Chelsea. Um, he's been quite an influential figure for Chelsea and obviously definitely was last season at Leicester. Do you think now they've found their system... He's going to start playing like he did at Leicester last season. I don't think he can follow up exactly what he achieved at Leicester. I think that sort of that will remain unprecedented until. I mean, he might. He'll probably have a good season, but whether he sort of reaches those heights, he's getting used to new midfielders um, with within a different system as well. Obviously, you Conte is probably going to go with the three-four-three after winning three times using it. Um, so, yes, I'm not too sure if he'll sort of reach those heights. OK. What do we think generally of this system that Conte's installing? Because it looks like he's kind of given Chelsea's old system a chance and has proved to everyone, as if we didn't need to know already, that it isn't working. So now he's switched to his three-at-the-back system and it looks like it is going to work. Do we think that that's the way to go following on from this throughout the season? Um, well, didn't Chelsea have some injured centre-backs at the start as well? which might explain why he didn't start immediately with that formation. They 
missing defenders. You don't want to play a formation that you have a lot of players for. I think um, Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses, Moses especially, deserve some praise, actually, because it wouldn't have been their suggested positions to play wing-back, especially not Moses, and I think they performed very, very well in three games. That's why they kept three clean sheets, scored goals, and have looked, well, more like title challengers once again after slump against Arsenal. All right. Um, Moses is an interesting one, because Mourinho, when he was at Chelsea, was always struggling for a right-back and a kind of a right-wing-back type role. And it looks like Moses was there the whole time, ready to play that role. And Conte sort of found that. Do we think that Conte might actually be a better coach than Mourinho? Because Pep Guardiola has said that he sees Conte as one of his biggest challenges in terms of management in Europe. So do we think that Conte is up there with the very best of them? Perhaps. Well, Mourinho's strength is his man management, isn't it? Um... But yeah, maybe it is the case that Conte is a better coach. Um, I couldn't see Mourinho starting Moses. I think Conte is sort of making the best of what he's got. I mean, Moses, when he started his career, he was a really, really attacking winger. He sort of started to just go further and further back as his career's gone on. Um, and on the on the large part, he's sort of underwhelmed according to sort of how people look at his potential. But Conte, yeah, Conte, I think probably shades Mourinho slightly. But... All right. I will say Moses was a bit of a legend when he played for Wigan. Could someone tell me what is going wrong with Man United at the moment? I think what Sunday displayed was they're crying out for a leader. Like, who's the man in the dressing room who's going to step up when they're 2-0 down at half-time? He's going to say, come on, boys. Because I don't see Mourinho as being like that. Mourinho sort of relies on his plans just working. And, you know, I, you know, there's no Ferdinand, Vidic, Captain Chris Smalling. Yeah, but Chris Smalling is... A, a certain Wayne Rooney, yeah. whose birthday it is today. So happy birthday, Wayne, if you are listening. Is he not a leader that well, Manchester United needs? perhaps he was a few years ago. But now, with all everything that's going on in the media and him being heavily criticised... He won't have the same presence in the dressing room. Like people will, won't look at him and see him as this kind of, you know. I'd say led by example. Ethereal when man. he was when he was sort of at the peak of his powers. A lot, a lot of players in in good teams, like the Invincibles team. A lot of our players were. You had like Bergkamp and Henri leading by example, and then Vieira, who was leading by enforcement, sort of, you know, actually a real leader, a vocal leader. Whereas I don't think, from what I can see, I don't think Rooney is a vocal leader on the pitch. He sort of lets his play do the talking, which obviously has come short in recent weeks. Yeah. All right. Um, last thing I want to touch on in this game. What was the reception like for Mourinho on his return to Stamford Bridge? I think it was pretty... He was pretty well received, although at 4-0, some fans started... There was a small section, apparently, that started singing... Wasn't you getting sacked in the morning? Um, you're not special. You're not special, you're not special anymore. <laughs> followed by those that were singing, you know just that Jose Mourinho once again. So I'm not sure if that was because they were 4-0 up and it didn't really matter, but I think the reception was quite good. And same was for Mata as well and all the other assistants and so on. All right, um, let's move on to Manchester City, who drew one all at home to Southampton. Um, I think this is four games without a win now for Pep Guardiola's Man City. And five, I'm being told it's five. Thanks, Nicola. Um, this was another example for Nathan Redmond's goal of... Poor defending by an English centre-back. Because we had Smalling being seemingly scared of the ball in the Man United game. And Stones plays kind of a blind pass. Whether it's to company or Bravo, I'm not entirely sure. 
but he plays a blind pass, and then Nathan Redmond nips in, goes around the keeper and finishes nicely. Playing out the back for Pep Guardiola's teams has always been obviously a massive thing, but do we think that it's worth waiting a bit and trying to get your players better at that before forcing it on them? Or do, well, you, do we think he wants to just throw them all in the deep end and then in a season's time just start winning everything else? I mean, I do possible. think with a tactic like that, if you make a mistake on the pitch, you will learn from it and inevitably get better. I would doubt if we ever see Bravo coming out like he did against Barcelona and making that mistake again. And likewise with, with Stones and company, that was a bit of miscommunication. It looked like company moved forward when Stones was expecting him to stay back. And so those are mistakes that you iron out fairly easily. And, you know, company hasn't played in a while. When he gets more game time, those things will disappear. So I don't necessarily think it's the tactic. It's just sometimes you do have to let these things play their course on the pitch. And there will be a few mistakes, but it might be for the better in the end. There's only a certain way in which you can coach it. It relies heavily on instinct, playing up from the back. And you just have to rely and trust the players. Obviously, Stones made a mistake yesterday. But I think, overall, it is a good thing for the game. It's just they can't afford to make many more mistakes with Bravo, you know, making that howler against Barca <coughs> as well. Um, it's similar, I'll, I'll, I digress a bit here, but it's similar with goalkeepers. The idea of um, when a keeper comes out to claim a ball, sometimes he'll drop it right, and then he'll just say, oh, he should have punched it. But so for me, it's worth make, taking the risk and catching it, maybe starting a counter-attack. And it's a similar thing with playing at the back. Inevitably, there will be mistakes. And if you do make a snake, it could lead to a goal but in the long run it is a good idea if your players are capable Fernandinho put a great ball over the top for Sané who through a tiny bit of miscontrol ended up having to set up Iheanacho for his goal and Iheanacho has the best shot conversion rate in Europe's major league since his debut in when does anyone know his debut come on we should know them August 2014. That's 15. But right date, I like that. Um, 11 goals from 17 shots for Iheanacho. And there's been rumours this week that Pep wants to get rid of Aguero. Can we see Aguero leaving? Because obviously Pep's already got rid of Joe Hart and essentially Yaya Torre as well. He seems to be getting rid of the people who are the biggest names in the dressing room. Do we see Aguero as someone that Man City might want to get rid of? The, he's meant to be replaced by Aubameyang apparently. I mean, I think if you're going to replace Aguero, you do need to have someone to come in or you need to be very careful where, who you sell them to. You know, I don't think it, he won't go to the Premier League team. They would He'd probably... Them well, obviously, he's already played for Atletico. Real, Real Madrid, would he go there? I don't know. Barca might be interested, but then Suarez. three world-class attackers, do they need another one? Where, where have these rumours even come from? Because he's, he's been out of form for like two, three games. Press have been See, it's just always quoted that he said he'd leave after his contract expires. And, and he, he just back, signed he back to a us. big new contract, yeah. didn't he? So it's a confusing one. Um, I can't see him leaving, but they did have they were linked very heavily to Aubameyang in the summer. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. I've heard rumours that PSG need a striker following their nil no draw the weekend. All right, let's talk about Liverpool now, because they did what Tottenham failed to do last week and beat West Brom 2-1, and this was the example of Liverpool at their best, I think, because they scored some spectacular goals, Mane's being the best of the two, uh, Coutinho dummied it, and then Chan found Firmino on the wing, lifted it perfectly over onto Mane's foot for the first time finish. This is the rock and roll football that Jurgen Klopp has always talked about. Do we think now that Liverpool might be title contenders? Can we get to that point now? Yeah. 
I, I honestly do. I mean, they have defensive frailties, um, but Matip looks like an absolute beast. Yeah. Um, just looks so comfortable at the back. Lovren looks more assured than he ever has done. Um, Milner at left back, although not a natural fit, seems to be doing the job. Better than Moreno. Yeah, well, I think anyone would be better than Moreno at this moment. But um, yeah, and the attack is so flat. I mean, there's a question of whether Daniel Storage will sort of find his way back into that team. They sort of work better with a sort of false nine system, with Firmino at the top of it and Coutinho and Mane sort of playing off that. I think the, the way that they always played at Dortmund, they had very fluid attacking football. It's just sort of, they just used to sort of make their way up the pitch seamlessly and they seem to be able to do that in this local team. So, yeah. West Brom scored from a corner again. <laughs> Are we worried about West Brom this season? Because they have a habit of staying up by defending quite well. Do we think that that luck is ever going to run out in terms of relegation? Originally, I was worried that they, you know, they might be relegated, but again, I don't think they will. I think Pulis knows what he's doing. I mean, you see the results they get. They get enough results to string it along. They always seem to, and I think they will again. It's just a case of finding three teams who are worse than exactly. that. That's all it is. Yeah. And you say Hull are going to go down, probably. Yeah. yeah. I would potentially say Middlesbrough. I think all three sure. that, that got yeah. promoted yeah. for a long time. It's not been a yeah. Been a while since all three yeah. got promoted, got relegated. It's usually but. two of the three is sort of how it usually inspires. But I think um, I, I think Burnley. Yeah, look like I think actually. Burnley have more about them. Yeah, than and they've signed well. I mean, Stephen DeFore looks Agreed. a very sort of uh, good acquisition for me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I see um, the teams that are down there at the moment. I mean, Stoke. I think Stoke will be absolutely fine. Stoke will be fine. Yeah. yeah um, West Ham have obviously we're got themselves up. We're all forgetting about Sunderland. There we go. I was just, I was thinking for the other club. Yeah, they're destined for. Unless we say this every year as well, and they seem yeah, to find a way. Well, Moyes Moy will be on his way out soon, won't he? It'll be. Uh, who knows? Big Sam might be making a reemergence. Um, West Brom obviously they signed Chadley with more of an attacking threat, but a start is Berahino has only scored one goal and not assists in twenty eight games which is 1,500 minutes. Yeah, and they've been trying to get rid of him for quite a while, but <laughs> you can see why no one wants him anymore. Um, we mentioned Burnley. They had a really good 2-1 victory over Everton on Saturday. It um, was their first um, 90th minute winner in the Premier League. Oh, good start. They are a very good team at home, seemingly quite a, good, uh, a different team to when they play away. But Vokes scored a tap-in after Stecklenburg couldn't quite hold on to a scuffed shot. Which I know, what was your opinion on this, Harry? Because you're a goalkeeper. Did you think Stecklenburg should have held on to that? Um, it's weird, then. It's hard to kind of say. You usually say if you can't hold on to it, put it out for a corner. It'd be pretty harsh on him to yeah. blame him fully for that, to be fair. All right. Well, we're going with high standards after last week. Two penalty yeah. saves. Um, <laughs> Balassi scored for Everton after he stole the ball off Lukaku because he thought he was faster than him. And fair enough, because then he fired into the far corner. But that was all in vain because Scott Harfield then volleyed in in the 90th minute to give Burnley the win. Do we like Burnley? We, we were talking a little bit about them earlier. They look very, very stable. I mean, when I watched begrudgingly watched the 90 minutes they played against Arsenal even though Arsenal won that goal I mean that goal probably should have been disallowed and Burnley was so rigid they just they put like six or seven men behind the ball and just sort of let their midfielders sort of press 
win the ball back. They were they were just very very astute, very good. They they, they know they know how to play their certain style. They're never going to be playing attractive football, ticky tacky stuff. But they'll probably draw and win. For me, they'll draw and win enough games to be probably finishing fifteenth or sixteenth, which is an achievement for them. They're playing very much like Iceland did in the Euros. Yeah, exactly. They know what well, they've got an Icelandic of. player, haven't they? They've got Goodman. So but they know what they're capable of, and they're sticking. To yeah, it. exactly. And their plans work because when they came up before, Daesh was like, we're going to concentrate on development of the training ground rather than signing players. And yeah. obviously they've managed to get back up, signed a few more players this time. Yeah. And does, does he get enough credit as a manager? Um, well, he said himself about the whole English manager's argument and that English managers should be sort of, it's some sort of like affirmative action sort of policy, English managers to get like preferential treatment. I'm not sure whether that's right, um, but I would say probably he could be in line for like a sort of a better side job. But like, I mean, Burnley are sort of like sort of a yo-yo club between the Premier League and the Championship, aren't they? He could be aiming somewhere a little bit higher, like somewhere like West Ham, it was a bit more aspirational. But um, yeah, he's a decent manager. He knows how to manage football, whether that's well in the championship or average in the Premier League who knows alright really quick answer from someone was this a good game from Burnley or a bad game from Everton it's hard to really say like that seeing the game it's a minute winner isn't it so I would say probably a bad game from Everton it seemed like Everton had a lot of chances yeah Um, Leicester got back to winning ways and their title defence continues 3-1 at home to Crystal Palace Vardy was on the bench for this one and that didn't really seem to matter because Okazaki and Musa played very well and then Fuchs scored a wonderful volley off the corner it could have been slightly different maybe if Benteke's header that hit the bar early on had gone in but Leicester looked a lot better this week Vardy benched is that because he's not in form is that because he's tired someone tell me please uh, is it maybe because they signed two big money strikers and they need to get them on the pitch as well? Yeah. Just as much as anything else. Well, Slomani's been in form, or kind of in form in the Premier League. I mean, I think he scored three or four goals. Scored two in Europe on his debut. And Musa as well. I mean, Musa, Okazaki and Slomani, they're very... I mean, Okazaki was his stats from the weekend. I think he ran, say, 11.66 kilometres. Mm. And he usually... I mean, last year he came off quite a lot for Leicester at sort of 70, 75th minute. Um... Well, he just seems to be able to run the opponent into the ground, sort of make them sort of give up, um, break them down. And, uh, yeah, I think he's he's very underrated for me. I mean, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't score a lot of goals, really, or assist much, but his sort of contributions, I think, will be... Yeah, the, the last season there was a lot of talk about Vardy, Maris and Kante, obviously, but Okazaki probably was one yeah. of the more important players for Leicester. All right, uh, Palace did have chances, and Kabai scored a nice goal. Are we worried about Crystal Palace? No. no. Too much quality in this sort of attacking areas for me. I think they've also got the best striker in the world, Christian Benteke. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Lloyd Remy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to North London because both North London teams drew nil-nil. I have a note saying both tired from Champions League? Question mark. Is that why Tottenham and Arsenal both drew nil-nil? Is it the Champions League? Because Arsenal played Ludogratz. I think despite Ludogratz being a, uh, an anagram of good result, I think <laughs> I think Arsenal probably could have rested a few players in this one. I don't like the idea of players being tired. I don't like the word tired after, like, you know, how long has it been? At least three, four days. I remember, was it the Southampton game last week? There was a bloke who ran, like, 50 marathons in 50 days. Yeah. yeah, It's like, how can professional footballers, with all the facilities they have, make the excuse of being tired when there's blokes like that doing that? 
you know, you could argue mentally tired, yeah, travelling, but, you know, Arsenal were at home, weren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's like both times, yeah. So, so I don't think that's an argument at all. No. I don't accept that as an excuse either. We've seen English teams, at least um, 10 years ago when we were better in, in Europe, we were able to mix and match in Europe and then come back to England and win games. You know, we didn't really use that as an excuse. I don't know why it's become a thing now that automatically playing in Europe seems to be, oh, we can drop points now. I don't think that's necessarily true. Obviously, if you have a long journey to, to if you're Ukraine, which United have coming up and things, it, it, it might jade some of the players. But really, I mean, they get very good treatment and uh, I don't think it should be much of a problem. Okay. I want to jam in another one my ludicrous fact because it does mean people of the forest. So... Could Arsenal have rested players against the people of the forest? Someone please tell me. Because I know we're saying that they shouldn't be tired, but do you need to play Ozil and Sanchez against Ludogorets? I mean, I think it's always worth it in the Champions League, especially with PSG in your group. Do you really want to risk? You know, Ludogorets didn't players? look that bad either. I mean, we were watching the game live, and they had about four or five chances to go in the lead or to equalise. So, although the result looks like an absolute walkover, it really, I don't think it really... I honestly think it was. It sort of got out of the reach of Ludogorets in the second half. It was the second half goals, wasn't it? Is yeah. that the reason that Ozil was celebrating his hat-trick like he'd won the Champions League? Perhaps. Yeah. Well, he's never scored one, yeah. has he? Yeah. Wasn't he taking selfies with the ball and stuff? Um, <laughs> sound like Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> <laughs> As for uh, the Spurs, I think they're just in a slump in form. At the moment. A yeah. draw with West Brom. No, a draw with Bournemouth. And a Bournemouth draw with really good there. I think they're harsh on Spurs, to be honest. I watched them against Bournemouth. And I thought they were really impressive. Second, I mean, second half. I thought Spurs really up their game. They were were in control. Okay, yes, they didn't create too many clinical chances. But I think both both of those two sides are really good. The Bournemouth are really good, and obviously they impressed last week. But Spurs are on for a good season, I've no doubt about that. Wanyama and Moussa Dembele in the midfield looks like an unbelievable partnership. Because Wanyama just completely shut down Wilshire. I just dominated him physically in the game. And then Dembele has just... Unbelievably good on the ball. He doesn't so, lose the ball at all, does he? Yeah, he's, he is a magical player to watch. Yeah. Bournemouth, as you said, are looking like a good team. And at the end, they were really going for the win. They were playing like the bigger team. and that should have won it. Yeah, that's really the attitude I like to see. They just feel or something. It's like they don't accept the sort of stereotype of people. You know, people always, they grade where teams should be and what their quality is. They don't accept that people grade them as an average team. They believe they can win every play game. Nice they play like yeah. they can. Yeah. Um, Eddie Howe for a future England management role. I mean, tainted with that. Some way, some way down the future, maybe. But if I was him, I would never take it. If he takes it now, he will ruin his career. Arsenal's draw with Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough did have quite a few chances on the break, and. Gaston Ramirez and Alvaro Negredo both probably should have scored. Um, I don't think Arsenal would have been too upset to lose this game because Middlesbrough had so many chances, but at the same time they were all on the break and Arsenal did kind of dominate. So do we think that a draw was a fair result in half? Yeah, I would probably say, on, on the balance of the performance of both teams, Middlesbrough did look really threatening. Adama Traore, obviously an ex-Villa man. Um, I think he completed nine dribbles in that match, which is... Like quite extraordinary. Didn't he record the fastest ever sprint? sprint yeah, he recorded the fastest ever sprint time in the Premier League, which was thirty-seven point five kilometers per hour. Monster. So he's one to watch. Stats today. There we go. Yeah. Um, all right, let's take a break, and then we'll come back, and I'll tell you the remaining three Premier League results, and then Nick will tell us all about the lower league. <laughs> Right, we're back after that incredible theme music. Um, Hull had 
a defeat at home to Stoke with Shakiri scored two wonder goals. Do we think that we said Stoke are going to be fine? How we are worried about, aren't we? They are going straight back down without, without any doubt. I think that was pretty much everyone's prediction at the beginning of the uh, season as well. West Ham managed to actually win at home, but it was against Sunderland, so that's the qualifier. And um, they really fluked that one as well, didn't they? Yeah, Winston Reid scored a late saving 90, goal. 94th minute. Um, fun fact, guys. Jack Rodwell has now gone three years and five months without being a starter in a winning side in the league. Gareth <laughs> <laughs> Bale went two and a half years and look where he is now. Yeah. So maybe we can expect Jack Rodwell. In a few oh, years' yes. time, Jack yeah. Rodwell will be on the Ballon d'Or shortlist. Swansea drew 0-0 with Watford. Um, Bobby Bradley held 2-0 on the draw. And that was his first game, wasn't it? Second. Second game. Oh. Okay, not a good start for Bobby Bradley. Um, that's the Premier League wrapped up with. Nicola, do you want to tell us about the lower leagues? Do you want to do championship? I'll just say Villa are getting promoted. That's certain now. Bruce unbeaten. Villa are unbeaten at home throughout the whole season, which is surprising. Bruce, nine points from seven. Only conceded two goals in the last three games, both from penalties. And we've got the best striker in the league, in Jonathan Culture, who scored the goal of the weekend. As Tony Gia called him, we are recruiting a world-class striker in his yeah, tweet. exactly. And he was sure right. he can be world-class in the championship, but who knows? He just, he just is. As that is, he's the first player to score in three consecutive games since Tom Cleverley in April and May 2015. Oh, wow. I'm just trying to mention, you said you can't be world-class in the championship, but Bill Grigg plays in the championship? <laughs> the fire's been put out. <laughs> how long was how long is it since he scored? Yeah, four or five games. I mean, yeah, get yeah. We just got a small game on Sunday. Win that as well. That's you know, three wins on the bounce, and we're heading straight to the playoffs. And then inevitably, I reckon we'll come second. I'm being very optimistic. Newcastle going to walk it, but then we're going to come second. Uh, the other Birmingham teams in the championship saw Wolves lose one 0 at home to Leeds, and Birmingham lost two 0 away at Burton Albion. League One, Coventry got back-to-back victories this week because they were midweeks games. Uh, they won 2-0 at home against Rochdale and 2-1 against Oxford. Um, so they're now at the top of the relegation zone instead of the bottom. And surprising stat, their home form, 13 uh, games without loss in all competitions. So it just means that all their games currently have mainly been away. And when they've been at home, they've been OK. Um, Walsall... One in the week, 2-0 against Swindon, and they drew against Gillingham. So they're up to mid-table 12. In League 2, Carlisle are on their longest unbeaten uh, football league run, which is 15 games, and they haven't done that for 21 years. And Plymouth are at the top of the League 2 table. They're just basically five-point lead. They're just going away with it right now. But who knows, that can change. Um, another stat from League 2 is Carlisle's Nicky Adams is on a 31 game unbeaten run because he was at Northampton Town so he had 17 games with them and he's now had 14 games with Carlisle who are also unbeaten. So 31 games is quite a feat. Um, there was a manager left at the weekend MK Dons lost um, they just haven't been doing very well at all and Carl Robinson left. He was the third longest manager in the English Football League behind Arsene Wenger and Paul Tisdale at Exeter He'd been uh, there for six years, but yeah, left with mutual consent. Sheffield United are on a run, which is 10 unbeaten, and it's seen them go from the bottom of the table to third. 
and in that time they've beaten five of the top seven teams in League One. And Josh Morris, who plays for Scunthorpe, who are again got a five-point lead at the top of the League One table, he has scored 13 of their 32 goals, and that's more than he has in any of his seasons combined previously. And if he goes at this rate, he could get to 40 goals by the end of the season. Not that he will necessarily continue that form, but if he does, that's what will happen. And finally, the National League, uh, Solihull lost 3-0 at home to Tranmere. All right, thanks, Nicola. Um, That's the end of the show. You heard from Harry, Alex, Sam, myself, Nathan and Nicola. Uh, We'll see you next week. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.